I've enjoyed thinking about this passage of Scripture. It came to my heart almost uh, immediately after we had found out that this coronavirus is going to challenge our schedules. I looked at it and, and had been simmering on it and thinking about it, meditating on it, reading it over and over again. You know, when you read your Bible, the book of, of uh, Second Chronicles is not necessarily my favorite book of the Bible to read through. It has a lot of chronological things and a lot of names, a lot of challenges. But chapter 16, verse number 9, is one of my favorite verses of the Bible when it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward God. God is looking for somebody that he can minister to, that he is he's the greatest investor. Can he invest in you? Can he invest in me? He's always looking for a good investment. I want you to consider, is he looking at your way right now? Can he trust you with the time that you've been given? Can he trust you with the opportunities that you've been given? Can he trust you with the extra money that you've been given? Will you and I honor him with those things, opportunities that God's given us? This is a big deal. And that all comes in the story of one of the kings of Judah named Asa. Asa comes on the pages of her Bible in the Second Chronicles chapter 14. He's the third king of the southern kingdom. If I can, I want to give you a little bit of background, and then we'll go into the message. I'll do my best to get it through these verses today, and I'm going to share another thought tonight from this same passage a little farther down. But the, the Bible tells us that the history of the Israelite people started, of course, when Abraham and Sarah uh, left the Ur of the Chaldees, and for many years they had a promise that there'd be a great nation come from their family. Of course, they ended up in, in uh, their great-grandchildren ended up in Egypt, where they stayed for 400 years, and then God raised up a man named Moses. He pulled them out of Egypt and, and uh, took them to the promised land, and there Joshua took them into the promised land. And they began to set up a, uh, a, a theocracy where God was in charge. But they started looking around as they grew older in their nation. They wanted to have a king like other people did. They wanted other people, they saw other people had kings, and they wanted a king. And they kind of a lot of it is because a vacuum was had in that Samuel, he did not train his sons to serve the Lord. And when Samuel didn't train his sons to serve the Lord, then the people used that as an excuse. There's a vacuum there of leadership. Give us the king. By the way, your testimony, my testimony, and what we do may be exceeded by who we raise. Each of us need to give great attention to raising our children for the Lord. I fail in that regularly, and I'm sure if you're a parent, you understand that sometimes you fail in that way. May God help us to raise our children and never let our children be an excuse why the world says, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. Well, the Israelites said, Samuel hasn't raised his kids right, and let's get a king. And they said, give us a king, and that king was granted to them by Saul. Uh, God gave Saul. He chose Saul to run the nation of Israel as their king. 
He gave them warnings, and he told them what was going to happen. But for 40 years, Saul was the king of Israel, the first king. And then David became the king, and he reigned for 40 years. And God gave him a wonderful, blessed kingdom. And then God let his son Solomon be a king. Solomon probably had the easiest job. He had, his dad had prepared much before his death. He had a peaceful kingdom. He built great, uh, great edifices and defenses, and he became the envy of the world, and so did his nation. But Solomon, he knew what was right. He taught what is right, but he lived what was wrong. His kids heard him, and they understood him, but they didn't see Christianity and did not see godliness in him. He said one thing and lived another way, and it created uh, a crumbling effect on his, on his, uh, or not his ancestry, but his children, and on his heritage, and it's sad. But after Solomon turned over the kingdom to his son Rehoboam, it wasn't too long that Rehoboam split the kingdom. And the ten tribes went in the north under a guy named Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the first king of the northern tribes, and Rehoboam was the king of the southern tribes. Ten of the tribes went north. Two of the tribes, which was Judah and Benjamin, went south. Each of them had 19 kings in their history. Uh, in the northern they did not really worship God the way they had some sorry kings. Ahab is one of them. And God will begin to call them Israel. And the, and the lower tribes, the two lower tribes who would be the southern kingdom would be called Judah. Each of them had 19 kings. The northern tribe, 19 kings. Nine different families. And, uh, and really a very short tenure. About 250 years they lasted before they went into Assyrian captivity. Forgive me for giving you the background here, but I think it's important for us to know that. The southern kingdom, they had 19 kings. All of them, ancestor, their ancestry goes back to David. They're all in the lineage of David. And they last 135 more years than the northern kingdom. And primarily because of leadership. Their leadership tried to stay right with the Lord. Now, they had some sorry kings, but they had many more good kings and dear friend, if you are a king in any realm of life, if you are a dad, you're a husband, uh, you're a mom, if you're a teacher, hey, listen, your uh, conduct, the way you live is going to trickle down and bless or curse those around you. No one's an island. You don't live to yourself. You don't die to yourself. What you do affects others around you. And that's something that everybody ought to get a checkup from the neck up and make sure we understand that. Well, the Bible gives us the chronicles of the king. And he tells us a little bit about the kings in the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles. After Rehoboam died, his son Abijah, he took over. He only had a short reign, maybe only three years. And then at the end of those three years, his son Asa took over. Now, Asa had 41 years of reign in Judah. And God blessed him. And God blessed him primarily because Asa did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Would you look real quickly with me back to your Bibles, open your Bibles and look at 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and you'll see that in verse number 1 that Abijah, Asa's dad, died, and they buried him. Then verse number 2, 
And Asa did that which was good and right in the sight of the Lord. Dear friend, that's something you want to do and something I want to do, is do what is right, not what's comfortable, not what's easy, not what's convenient, but what is right. Not what's logical, but what's right. And nothing's ever settled till it's settled right. Nothing's ever settled right until it's settled right with God. I want to encourage you to make sure that you do what is right, not in my sight as your pastor, not in your sight, when a man, there's a way that seemeth right unto, unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But as for God, his way is perfect. And doing things his, right, his way is very important. But Asa did that, and God gave him peace and prosperity and help. He fortified the cities of Judah, and it went really good. We'll find there that he did have a threat, and the Ethiopians came at him, and they had 100,000 people plus 300 chariots or tanks that came against him. He had almost half that amount to defend himself, and he realized he was in trouble. Would you look at chapter 14 and verse number 9 and look at it with me, or verse number 10? When he found himself in trouble, I said verse 10, let's go on to verse number 11. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. That's us. And I want you to notice, he only said two words of a prayer. Here they are. Are you ready? Help us. Help us. O Lord our God, for we rest on thee and in thy name, and we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against us. He began to pray. By the way, when you have a problem, pray. And remember what kind of a God you serve, and he's not just a little God, and it's not hard for him to save by many or by few. He is glad to help you when you are least able to help yourself. And I love this. The only request is two words, help us. Can you say that? <laughs> when you're in trouble, can you go to God and say, help us? Now, I do think there's something that is important here. The Bible tells us it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. We find out, first of all, that Asa did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, everybody can pray, and even if you are living in a lifestyle that you know is hurtful to yourself, it's anti-God, it's anti-Bible, it's not right, you can pray too, and your first prayer ought to be a prayer of repentance, confession. God, I'm wrong, I'm not living right, I'm in sin, have mercy upon me. That should be our first request. But a key to fervent, effectual prayer is going to be living a righteous life. Do you live a righteous life? Are you honoring the Lord Jesus Christ with your testimony? i tell you one thing, an outgrowth of a right life is a better prayer and more effective prayer life. And he said, Lord, help us. It's not hard for you to say by many or by few or those of us who don't have a lot of power, you can help us. You're our God. And he began to praise the Lord. And he said, would you help us? Look what God did to respond. Verse number, uh, verse number 12, look at it. Read it with me, the first few words. So the Lord smote the, the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. To make a long story short, uh, whenever the Ethiopians fled, they left a lot of stuff. And they left a lot of spoil. And God blessed and gave them victories. And Asa came back with a tremendous amount of spoil. A lot of cattle, a lot of camels, a lot of gold, a lot of silver, a lot of things 
that were a great blessing to the nation of Judah. When they come back, God's spirit sets upon a prophet. His name is Azariah. And he tells him, go talk to Asa. And I want us to pick up there. Would you look at chapter 15, verse number 1? Thank you for following along. Thank you for listening. Verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. Verse number 2, And he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. And if you forsake him, he will forsake you. I want you to notice a couple things. The message today is a message from God. That's what I would title it if I was going to title it, a message from God. And here we find a couple things. Number one, we see from chapter 14 that prayer is profitable. Prayer works. Sometimes we think, well, all I can do now is pray. No, that's what you should have done first. Don't wait till the last option. Make it your first option. And realize that there's a God in heaven who has his ear open to your cry and to your plea for help. Hey, listen, are you tired of not praying and not getting results? Keep on praying. Don't stop. Keep on praying. Praying for that loved one to get saved. Praying for that breakthrough and that wayward child. You keep praying for that, uh, that person that's away from the Lord. Or that's someone who needs to come back to the Lord. Don't stop praying. Prayer works. And the simple words, help me, <laughs> help us. Prayer works. Number two, I want you to know that the Spirit of God is working. God's Spirit is working and He has something to say. I am so glad that I live in a place and I live in a world where God's Spirit is present. One of the horrible things about the lake of fire and going to hell forever is that the Spirit of God will not be there. One of the blessed things about being a child of God, I haven't been a good child from God, always for God, but I've always been His child from the moment I accepted His Son, Jesus Christ, I've been His child. And a wonderful thing happened that day. God's Spirit came inside of me, and He's never going to leave me. I can grieve Him, but He never leaves me. He can be grieved, but He doesn't leave. And I'm glad the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. In the New Testament, He comes and lives and dwells people permanently. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's why Jesus could say, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. He's with us forever. He'll never leave us. But here, the Holy Spirit of God came upon Azariah, a yielded servant of the Lord, and he had something to tell Azariah to go and find Asa. Asa is coming back from battle. He has all the spoil. He has all these things with him, and he's coming back, and he is met by God's man. He's met by a spirit-filled man of God who says to him, Asa, I want you to listen to me. And I want you to notice something else, too. It gets real personal. It gets real personal. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says, Hear ye me, Asa. It's a personal challenge. He says, I want you to listen to me. And dear friend, I want uh, you to realize that God has something to say to you. Sometimes we listen to a message and we say, Boy, I'm glad my wife got to hear that. I'm glad my husband got to hear that. I know my teenager needed that. But the truth of the matter is, oftentimes, uh, and when I preach a message, I got one finger pointed there, I got three pointing back at me. 
And I need the Lord. I need Him. I need Him to, to work in my life. And God has something to say to you this morning. He says, you hear me, Asa. Listen to me. And here's the message. He says, listen, if you will draw near to God, God will draw nigh to you. That's what James 4 verse 8 says. If you draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hey, listen, are you close to the Lord? You can be just as close to God as you want to be. I can just be as close to God as I want to be. And if I'm not close to God, it's not God's fault. He hasn't moved. It's me that's moved. We ought to get close to the Lord. And he says, listen, if you seek for me, I'll be found of you. If you come close to me, I'll come close to you. And he's telling Asa that. I'm sure Asa probably says, duh, I know. I've been doing what's right. I asked you to help me. You helped me. You gave me these blessings. You've helped me. You provided your presence. And he said, Asa said to, Azariah said to Asa, the Lord is with you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I oftentimes remind people and I remind myself, in a difficult time, what we need the most is not money. It's not profit. It's not a relationship with another brother, sister, or person that we think we need in our life. Our greatest need is the presence of God upon us. Oh, friend, that's one of the reasons why you want to be a soul winner. That's why you want to give to world evangelism. Because anybody who gets about the Great Commission, he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. One of the, the, the byproducts of a Christian soul winner and a faithful man and woman of God who's interested in getting the lost, the gospel, is they get the presence of God upon their life. He said, I want... I want you to know the Lord is with you. You get close to him, you look for him, he'll be found of you. I love that pastor scripture, but I want you to look at the next verse. Are you looking at it with me? Verse number three. This is a tragic thought, but it's very important. We see it. Look in the Bible. Let's look at verse number three, would you? He says, now for a long season, what's the next word? Israel. For a long season, Israel. Now he is the king of Judah. So now he's talking about the northern kingdom. He's talking about his ancestors and two kings back. It was, it was Solomon and now Jeroboam and the other kings that are there. He said, for a long season, Israel, that northern kingdom and our nation, hath been without three things, a true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. And when in their trouble they turned unto the Lord God of Israel, sought, and they sought him, he was found of them. He said, even when they were away from me, they didn't have the true God, they didn't have a teaching priest, they didn't have the law, and they turned back to God, God was found of them. Look at verse number five. And in those times there was no peace. Him that went out or him that came in, there was no peace individually, there's no peace in their homes, coming in and out of their house. But there was great vexation. Brother Colston just mentioned it just a few moments ago in his prayer to God. There was great vexation. They were upon the inhabitants of the countries. Nation was destroyed of nation and city of city. And would you read the rest of verse number six? For God did vex them with all adversity. God did vex them with all adversity. Now, friend, let me just say something to you real quickly. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But I do believe with all of my heart, 
that there has been a vacuum in this world of those three things generally. There has not been allegiance to the true God. There's not been men who stand up and teach God's word to people. And there's not been the law of God written on the hearts of people and educate them. We have long time ago threw, thrown out the Bible. We have, we have oftentimes, even in Christian circles and churches like First Baptist Church of Hammond, people are ignorant of the law of God. There's oftentimes been compromise. The world around, men and women of God who teach the word of God who have who've just been playing patty cake. They haven't been telling what God said. And now we don't worship the real God. He has been replaced with idols of our heart. I'm just telling you, friend, this is what God said to the nation of Israel. He said, listen, Azariah, through through the the spirit of God's working in his heart, comes to Asa and said, Asa, I want to talk to you. The Lord is with you, and if you'll get close to God, he'll get close to you. But for the history of our nation, for a long season... God has not been the true God of the Bible in their hearts. There has not been someone to stand up and say, hey, this is what God said. Here's why we do what we do. Not only tell us what the Bible says, but what are the ways of his righteousness? And then they have not had the law. They have had not had the truths of God's word. As a result of that, the byproduct is, There's no peace. There's no peace individually. And if you look in the eyes of the average human being today that calls America their home and pledge allegiance to the the flag of the United States of America, a lot of folks, they don't have peace. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their conduct. You can see it in their countenance. There's no peace individually. We see there's no peace in the homes of the people. There's no peace in the city. This city's fighting against this city. This county against this county. This state against this state. And the whole world, nation against nation, and the Bible says that God has taken the vacuum that is left when we've ignored him, when we ignored his word, when we ignored his preachers, or his preachers haven't preached the word of God, and he says, now how about a little adversity for you? How about some vexation for you? You know, God in his judgment remembers mercy. I don't like this plague. I don't like the inconvenience. But buddy, we deserve this and a lot more. We have ignored God. We've ignored his word. We've ignored his preachers. And oftentimes, we as preachers have failed to even give people the truth. And we've not given the truth. And he says, when that's not happening, then vexation is what you have to look forward to. And that's going to rob you of peace. Now, I don't know where you are, friend. There are some people that you've been saved for decades, but you don't have any more peace than the man on the moon. You know it. Your wife can tell us that. Your husband can tell us that. Your kids can tell us that. Uh, moms and dads can tell us about you, teenagers. You have no peace. You're just all, you're a bottled up uh, bundle of emotions and problems, and you're just drama looking for a place to happen. And the reason is, is the same reason that Israel didn't have peace is because they didn't give their allegiance to the true God. They had all these other idols of their heart going. Baal was set up and lots of things. We'll talk about this a little bit tonight. And he said, you know what? You don't, you don't have to serve the true God. And sometimes it's because the priest of the home, that's the daddy, that's the husband, 
has been absent. He's not teaching the Bible. He thinks that's okay if the school does that. He thinks that's okay if the pastor does that. That's the Sunday school's job. No, friend, if you're a daddy, you're a husband, you ought to gather your people around and get around the Word of God, those who call you daddy, those who call you husband, and teach the Bible. Single moms, you ought to teach the Bible. Thank God for Koisto Mighty Hiles who taught somebody the Bible one day. Hey, wherever you are, you're interceding for others. There's no teaching priests. Sunday school teachers, quit messing around. Teach the Bible. Let them have the Word of God. Yes, we can play games and enjoy times, but make sure that they don't leave without hearing from God. And tell it to them straight. Give me sound doctrine. Give it to me straight. Tell me what the Bible says. Help me to live my life by faith, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. May God help us to be t teachers of the Word of God. And many of us, we can preach about the Bible, but how about preaching the Bible? How about sitting down and reading a passage of Scripture and giving the sense to your family in your Sunday school class? And I hope you'll pray for me as your pastor. I'm burdened about this. I don't want to just give flimsy, flimsy messages. I want to be able to be able to get done with our messages and say, man, we heard from God. This is what the Bible tells us to do. You know, God wants to tell you what to do with your personal life. Hey, listen, you, it's not yours to decide what your sexual identity is. God already gave you that. He's already told you what you are. It's his idea about marriage. You didn't make up marriage. I didn't make up marriage. God tells us in his word exactly. He's given us a law to tell us what he feels about marriage. He tells us how to think about finances. Listen, it's not your job. Well, I just feel like it doesn't matter what you feel like, friend. It doesn't matter what I feel like. I need to tell people and you need to tell people, a teaching priest needs to tell people, what does the Bible say? Parenting. That's not your job and my job to think what we think is best for our kids. We need to go. Children are inheritors of the Lord. Let's find out what he says in the scriptures. The Bible tells us what to know, that he's left no stone unturned. He tells us what the Bible says. And I'm telling you, friend, if you and I get away from the true God, who has given us a true word, and if teaching priests do not stand between the living and the dead, they don't stand between man and God and give them what the Bible says. People are going to go without peace. And great vexation and great adversity is going to come to our world. Listen, friend, if you're a child of God, you can sail in the difficult waters of the coronavirus or any other major catastrophe. You should not be full of fear. I should not be full of fear. I, I know there is that that comes on me. Sometimes I'm scared to death. And I don't know that it's wrong to be afraid momentarily, but it's sure wrong to stay afraid when you have a God in heaven who's the true God, who made the heavens and the earth. All things are at his hand. We can trust him. Dear friend, if you don't have peace, you're going to have vexation. And you're going to have an adversity that's going to come upon you. But you know the fast track to peace is going to come when you understand who the real God is. Who the real God is. And you're going to subject yourself to what does the Bible say? What is the law of God? What is his opinion? There's just two answers to every question. God's opinion and mine or yours. And there's only one that's right. There's a way that you might think is right, but the end thereof, the ways of death been amazed how much we as human beings and many times as Christians have watered down what God has to say. 
I remember people saying to me, well, we're living together, we're not married, but, but God understands. No, he doesn't. He doesn't understand that. He says, marriage is honorable and all, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You don't need God's judgment in your life. Don't rationalize. Well, you know what? I need all the money I get, and God understands I just can't afford to tithe. No, he doesn't understand that. That's something you need to get, get a check up from the neck up and say, you know what? If God says it, I need to do it. Whatever it might be, make those decisions based on what God's word says, and you're going to find obedience to God's word will bring peace and will keep you from being vexated, will keep you from the adversity that oftentimes comes. God is telling Asa, Asa, the, the Israel has for a long season gone without me, without someone to tell them the truth, and without the law. And it's going to bring this adversity. God knows how to do that with a coronavirus. He knows how to do that with an earthquake. He has the whole creation at, at leverage. He can leverage the whole creation to do whatever he wants to do to create some challenges for you and I. But I think as children of God, we ought to run back to the Lord. I want you to look at the last verse, and we're closed. Verse number 7, the Bible says, Be ye strong, Asa. He said, You're doing the right thing. You're trying to do what's right. You just got a huge answer to prayer. I helped you. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Can I encourage you, if you're a child of God doing the right thing, trying to please the Lord, even in this difficult time, be encouraged. Be encouraged. God says you do what is right, I will reward you. Keep doing what is right. And we'll see tonight what Asa does in response to that. But I hope you'll read it this afternoon. See what he does whenever he's confronted by Azariah, a spirit-filled man of God, and see what he does. And I want to encourage you to read it. And we'll talk about it more tonight. But right now, I'd like to ask you, Christian, are you right with God? Is His presence on your life? If it's not, it can be. If you draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. You say, Pastor, I've gone so far away. Oh, He's not very far from any one of us. You can come to Him. He loves you. He will forgive you. You're doing something wrong. You're living in sin. Admit it and quit it. Confess it and forsake it. Let God help you. Do what you're supposed to do to honor and glorify Him. Dear friend, if you're listening today, and you're not for sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven, it's our burden, especially during this difficult time, where our world has been gone through adversity and vexation. You don't have to spend eternity without God. He loves you. Maybe you're watching for the very first time, or maybe you've heard this spill several times. Maybe you got a grandmother or a mom or dad been praying for you. You've been away from God. Your bus captain has missed you so many times, and you're away. But you're watching today. But maybe you're listening or you're watching by way of the radio or by way of this live stream. You're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Dear friend, God loves you. He wants you to know for sure that you have eternal life. It's not hard to have eternal life. God did all the work. Our work is to believe on the work that He did. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. 
The secret of eternal life is to learn that it cannot be earned. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are with the Lord, but if you're not saved, God loves you. He wants you to be saved. Say, Pastor, what can I do? Number one, realize that your sin is your problem. You and I sin by nature, we sin by choice. God's holy, we're not. We can't prance into His presence one day in our own righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. All of our good things come short of the glory of God because we're sinners. Sinners deserve to go to the lake of fire, to die that second death. But Jesus died for us. He was separated from His heavenly Father so you and I would never have to be separated from God. If you're watching today, you say, Pastor, I know. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. I know that Jesus died. He was buried and rose again. What do I need to do? You need to call out to the Lord. Repent. Change your mind about who you are and who He is, what He can do. And say, Lord, I put my faith in your Son, Jesus. Jesus did all those needed to be done so you could be saved. Say, Pastor, I want to get saved. I'm ready right now. Right where you are, would you say this to the Lord? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be separated from you in hell forever. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He paid for my sin. I'm trusting Him and only Him to save me. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I accept by faith your gift of eternal life. Dear friend, if you prayed that, I want to encourage you to call us. Here's the number. If you're listening by way of the radio, 219-932-0711. I have a book that I'd like to send to you. It's a booklet called Understanding Salvation. Once you understand what you just did in believing and receiving Jesus, I think it'll help you. It tells us why we need to be saved, how we can be saved, and what changes after we're saved. I want to encourage you to let us send it to you. You can call us at the number I gave you, 219-932-0711, or you can email us at connect at fbchammond.com. We'll send that to you in the mail. I want you to have that. I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Let us do that, would you please?